0: Madam Vice Chair, the room is ready.
1: All right, thank you for joining everybody. This is Sharon Ashford, Planning Commission. Um, before we get started with uh, this evening's activities, we're gonna turn it over to Becky, Planner Becky Pepper um, for the Zoom particulars.
2: Thank you, good evening. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director and Kyle Kobe. he'll be facilitating the Zoom portion of the meeting. We will work alongside the chair and the vice chair who are on video remote to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting and when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title before you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating in person should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Individuals are, sorry, please state your name before speaking and your comments will be limited to three minutes. Individuals providing comment via Zoom should use the raise your hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu depending on the device you're using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. And when you're called on, please unmute your device and state your name before speaking. Again, comments will be limited to three minutes. For commissioners, all motions need to be stated clearly For a motion after a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want again to remind everyone to please mute yourself when you are not speaking and I will turn the meeting over to the vice chair. Thank you, Becky.
1: All right, let's get started. This is Sharon Ashford, planning commissioner. We'll, uh, get started with the uh, communications section here. Um, Jeff, have we received any written communications from the public?
0: Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services. All communications were included as part of your packet.
1: All right. Um, have we writ- any written communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners?
0: Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services. None this evening.
1: Any um, action of any waiver requests, determinations made by the city engineer?
0: Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services, also none this evening.
1: Okay, do any of the commissioners wish to disclose
3: any ex parte communications this evening? Commissioner Willie.
4: Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. <clears throat> I did have some conversations about the wind regulations uh, with a, a neighbor, Lori Shuck who may come and comment tonight. And also we had a visit from Stephen Cunningham from Nextera approaching us as landowners for part of a wind um, project.
1: Thank you. Anyone else have any ex parte communications? i seeing none. Um, at this time, then, oh, sorry. Declaration of abstentions from any specific agenda item tonight. I'm seeing none. Um, this is the portion of the meeting where we open the meeting to general public comment. So this would be comment um, on anything except for what's on the, the regular agenda tonight for the, uh, the the update on the text amendment for the wind project regulations. If you have anything else uh, that you would like to speak to, is there anyone in the meeting room?
0: Okay, so not just general, just about the wind. We have no one in the room to speak for general public comment.
1: Okay, and do we have anyone? I don't see anybody raising any hands on the Zoom call for general public comment.
5: I am not seeing any either. Sorry, Kyle Kobe planning.
1: All right, then. and Ashworth Planning Commission will move on to our study session to receive the update on the text amendment uh, for wind energy conversion systems, Douglas County zoning regulations initiated by the Planning Commission on at our January 26th meeting. And to present those that text amendment is Planner Sandy Day.
6: Good evening, commissioners. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, good. Sandy Day Planning Office, uh, Planning Office. Um, the item that we have for you is really just kind of an update of where we are on the text amendment based on your action to initiate that amendment to the county zoning regulations. Um, just for a little bit of background, um, wind regulations were actually formally adopted into the code in 2017 by resolution. And at that time, um, we did not have any regulations dealing with this particular land use. The closest we had was to use the communication towers. And we learned pretty quickly that that was just not going to be effective for this kind of land use. Um, so those regulations were set up and adopted into the county code. And it did things like uh, separate out the uh residential or business application where somebody would have maybe an individual um, shorter turbine providing energy for that specific property or business and then also creating a set of regulations associated with um, the commercial um, wind energy conversion system so the big um, very tall turbines um, in the multitude of those that make up a particular project. It is structured so that this particular land use would be subject to a conditional use permit that means that it would come to this body um, for consideration before going on to the governing body and in this case to the county commission um, what we have done so far uh, and we are very fortunate to have a new staff member with us cc Riley, um, who has come to us from <laughs> Uh, Boone County, and they have recently adopted some similar regulations, so we're able to kind of look through our regulations with the lens of somebody who's done a lot of research um, pretty recently, so we are very thankful to have CC's assistance in this text amendment. there are a couple things about the text amendment and then I'm going to um, step aside and let you all give us some direction um, where we have, um, where you may have some additional specific concerns. Um, the regulations do currently have a minimum setback requirement from property of I believe it was a thousand feet from the from the property line. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, and then it also had a setback from residential structures um, of a thousand feet. And that's I'm sorry, that setback for the for the wind turbine would be. 110% of the height of the turbine. So however, the height of the turbine, and that includes the length of the blade. Um, so we, we do have um, regulations that capture the setback based on the overall height of the particular structure. And then a specific setback for um, the, the turbines from those residential structures. Um, as part of the, process there is also a requirement to do an extraordinary notice that the applicant would do this is something that we have uh, implemented for communication towers and it was carried over into the wind um, so that the applicant is required to provide us a list of the the normal notice boundary but then also they are required to do a notice of two properties within one mile of their subject property so we've Um, captured that particular component in this. Part of the documentation that is required that would continue to be required as part of the text amendment, providing exhibits where those residential and agricultural structures are in relationship to the project, an inventory of existing wildlife, endangered and threatened species, um, soil soil, uh, soil, erosion, sediment control, stormwater runoff, Um, information as well as archeological reconnaissance surveys. Um, I think what we have learned um, through working uh, with CC's very recent experience and some of the comments that we have heard both at the county level and from the commission is that a lot of this language um, probably needs to be a little bit tweaked. Um, So what you will see when you see the full text amendment come forward would be um, something that has a little bit better organization than we have today in the code um, as well as a much more robust uh, definition section. Um, We thought that was probably going to be very important um, in looking at this land use. I think the overall notice requirements are still, I think, appropriate given the land uses that we've been talking about um the solar the tower having that extraordinary notice boundary um, those are kind of the very quick updates the other thing that i i would like the commission to consider and talk about is um when we bring the full text amendment to you um, i did have a very lengthy conversation with one resident um in kind of that southern area of the county where next era is uh, kind of exploring their options um, We would not normally share uh, the draft text amendment with the public before the commission sees it. So the question then becomes uh, one of timing um, to be able to uh, get that text amendment out there for people to see, um, let you have it and be able to see it and then schedule a public hearing Um, when there's been some good time for that to be digested by the public. So that's an option. We were originally targeting bringing the text amendment to you in April. Um, I don't know if Jeff and Becky have had a chance to look at that April agenda. I've heard that it's a little bit lengthy. Um, So those are maybe some things to think about. um, How quickly, I know this was something that the commission indicated that you had concerns about and wanted us to be expeditious about it. So um, getting some direction on some of that timing may be helpful as well. That's kind of the conclusion of the remarks that I have. I'm happy to try and answer any questions. CC is here um, this evening. And, and if if you have a few questions um, about her experience in Boone County, she may be willing to, to share some of that. So with that, uh, I don't have anything else to add.
1: Thank you, Sandy. Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commission. Um, On behalf of the Commission, let me extend a warm welcome to CC to Douglas County from Boone County. Glad to have you on board. Um, And while this is a study session and we don't always or normally have um, public comment um, at these sessions, given that we haven't had a great deal of or in a while we have not had a great deal of comment on these particular text amendment. It was a while ago when there were uh, meetings and hearings on this. So I know there's a couple people that are um, either in the room or um, possibly on Zoom that do wish to make a comment. So I would like to welcome some public comment this evening. Um, if there's somebody, if you could welcome the person in the room up to the podium. <laughs> Sorry,
7: It's hard to hear back. Yeah, Hi, everyone. My name is Lori Shuck, and you haven't seen me here before, but I think you're going to see me more often. I'm sorry. Um, I'm probably an eighth generation Douglas County resident. If anybody knows the name Flory, that's kind of where my family came from. Um, And I'm married to Shuck, so they're pretty ingrained, too. I'm actually the fourth generation on my farm and my grandkids down the road are the sixth generation. We have worked very hard over the last hundred plus years to keep an agricultural kind of a continuity out there. We still do a lot of things the old fashioned way. We we make apple butter in the fall. We do all sorts of things that this is gonna change. I don't want these wind turbines that close to my farm. I am concerned about my livestock. I'm concerned about my sanity. Um, They've come to us twice. They've even thrown around the eminent domain NextEra has, which they can't do that as I understand it, but they toss it out there just in case you're going to buy it. <laughs> but uh, They have no transparency and no disclosure. They knew when they came to my house this summer that I was not in favor. A neighbor had told them that I wasn't going to sign up. So they refused to even let me see the contract or any of the brochures and pamphlets. They said it was a waste of paper. I would like to study it up a little bit on it. Um, I went to the state Senate committee on utilities meeting last week. I'm concerned there aren't enough standards, specifications, (laughs) rules and regulations. And in the smaller counties, they're walking in and plunking down a pile of, Things they've signed with people, the rental, the statements, the contracts, and they're saying, well, here it is. And counties like Osage, for sure, close to me are kind of like, well, we don't know what to do with that, so I guess we're good. And I'm really trusting Douglas County to make it a little more transparent, a little more educated in the, the side effects, the property devaluations, all the things that go along with this project. And as I, where I live now, I'm right in the Franklin Douglas County line, just barely in Douglas County. I understand there's a proposed, and let see, it was energy. It's putting one in between us and Ottawa, and there's more proposed up north of Overbrook running that way. Now, of course, we have the solar farm. So I hate to see the whole state of Kansas become, and I'm not against it. I'm not against green energy just on my farm. Yeah. So, um, I also, like I said, it needs to be opened up in transparency to the public so that small landowners that don't have enough land that they're approaching them, they're going to live with it and they're not going to make any money off of it if they have just 20 acres. They're going to be how many feet did she say from it and it's going to devaluate their property I think um, at the state they were saying probably 40 to 50% to your land value because nobody's going to want to move in and look at that I mean. I understand that, that's my retirement maybe, but uh, I, I have no plans to to do that, but still you hate to see your whole life's investment cut in half. So um, please keep us informed when there's a meeting and publish what you do and let the community weigh in on it. So thank you, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Ms. Chef, Chair, National Planning Commission. Are there others in
8: the planning uh, room that would like to speak on this issue? Sounds like she's inside a barrel. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry, let me see if I can fix that.
8: (laughs) My name is Mike Forth. I live in uh, Southern Douglas County and I am fourth generation on a farm that I live on. Mm -hmm. I take a little umbrance at the word, the use of the word uh, planned use. It's not land use, it's my home, it's where I live. And also the throwing out of eminent domain, that bothers me. But the biggest problem that bothers me is that in this state, we have 3,500 wind generators already. It's estimated it takes 3,800 wind generators to run New York, a population of 8.4 million people. So we've got enough wind power in this state to run Kansas, Oklahoma, and most of Nebraska. Where's it going? It's not our, our power. It's going out of our state. It's going out of our county, if they put it here. So this is just really a money grab for a corporation that's looking to increase their pocket revenues at our expense. Now, I don't expect anybody in the city to understand, but I live in the country. I've got all kinds of raptors out there. I have... And I'm worried about them with the wind generation. I have eagles out there from time to time. They fall victim to wind generation. But the biggest problem I have is what they do to my land to put that in. They're going to pour a 50 foot by 50 foot by 10 foot thick slab of concrete. Concrete contains things like mercury, arsenic, chromium, lead and chloride gas. That's all going to leach into my groundwater. I have a well on my property that I pull water out of. I don't want it there. How much concrete is that? Well, it'll put a driveway 20 feet long or 20 feet wide, 1,000 feet long. That's how much concrete that is. It'll pour 30 basements of a 2,000 square foot house. It's a lot of concrete and it's all gonna be massed into one area. Plus those units all contain 80 gallons of oil each. And that has to be replaced on a yearly basis. That means in the state of, in the state of Kansas, we're putting out 280,000 gallons of oil to replenish these generators. It's not good because it's not. If you've ever changed oil in your car, stuff gets spilled. And I don't care what kind of technology, it's still got the human error. So I look at this and I think, yeah, renewable energy is a good thing but by definition, all energy is renewable. Is this a good thing for our state? Is it a good thing for our county? Do people use our land to generate electricity and ship it off to someplace else? We're not getting use out of it. We've already got more than we can use. So I ask you to reconsider that. It's not whether we can, it's whether we should. Thank you. Thank you. Sharon Ashworth,
1: Planning Commission.
3: Uh, is there anyone else in the room that would like to speak on this issue?
0: No? Kyle Kobe with planning. I don't believe so. But...
1: Oh. Has anybody joined a Zoom call that would like to speak on this issue? Do you see anybody, Kyle?
0: Kyle Kobe with planning. I'm not seeing anybody right now.
1: Okay, thank you for those that um, spoke that are in in attendance at the meeting tonight. I'm sure those issues will come up in our discussion. Um, We will now close public comment and bring it back to the commission for discussion.
3: Okay, who would like to start? Let me just uh, make this uh,
1: before, this is uh, basically once again, just kind of like with the, the solar issue, what we're doing here tonight is just considering um, a text amendment for standards and regulations regarding um, energy facilities. Um, this is not referring to any particular project. These are just the standards that should an application come our way, um, it would be viewed in the context of the regulations we will be talk- discussing tonight, and then we'll, that we will in the future be having a public hearing before we vote. So that being said, um, any
9: commissioners wish to comment, Commissioner Rexrode. Thank you, Commissioner Rexrode. A quick question uh, for Sandy. Um, we, as you know, we just finished uh, doing work on the solar regs. Um, was there any effort made to marry the work done on the solar regs with these wind regs to pull some of the current work, current language, current thinking into this document? Um, I'd like you to talk about that just a little bit and where you might think there might be some gaps. And then I have a, uh, I'm not sure how far you want to go into this. As I read through this, I made a list of questions that I've got all the way through. So I'm not sure if we're going to be getting into that level of detail tonight or how you want to approach it.
6: Sandy Day planning. Um, I think these regulations are are very married to the solar. So The solar regulations, as I understand it, took and lifted some of the elements from the existing wind regulations. The solar regulations are a little bit more current and then the wind regulations are being uh, revised. So remember we have wind regulations now. They're being revised to bring them a little bit more current. So we have things like, as some bonding that would be required. So, how county roads are impacted uh, based on this kind of a land use um, decommissioning, restoration, and abandonment plan would be is already a requirement. So, really, I think what we're doing here is looking at um, making sure they're still very comparable uh, between the two regulations. Um, they are two very different different land uses so there are definitely some things that are that are very similar so looking at setback looking at access looking at you know the impacts uh on adjacent properties as well as you know the existing infrastructure roads bridges those kinds of things um so i think there's a lot of of good parity between the regulations and you know we had had that in mind as we've kind of been visiting through this. I think the big thing um, that I see in the regulations, and, and I take full ownership of this since I was you know primarily the author um, of the original, not structured especially well. It was such a, a very new um, land use. I didn't have the benefit of, of really working with a team or group of people with that, we were just you know, trying to respond very quickly to kind of an eminent threat, if you will, of an application coming in the door and having no way really to evaluate it. Um, to, to this point in time, we still do not have an application pending or otherwise. Nobody's contacted staff to do pre-submittal or anything else. So that is a very interesting Scenario that we're looking at. So, hopefully, that answers that question.
9: Thank you. Um, is is the, the intention tonight to get down in the weeds, item by item, line by line, on this and take feedback, or are we going to do that in a different form, different
0: way?
1: Um, this is Sharon Ashwood, Plan Commissioner. I thought we would maybe not line by line, but go through section by section and see where people will have comments might like go through the depth see if anybody has any comments on definitions see if anybody has any comments for conditions
3: required for approval just section by section will go through other comments from
1: planning
4: commissioners commissioner willie and willie planning commissioner and i'm sorry to have to ask this but my internet did blip out there and i did not catch the last commenter's name can can anyone share that with me or could he uh, tell us again
8: michael forth before
4: thank you thank you
1: any general comments from planning Commissioners before we actually take this section by section uh, commissioner shanklin
10: Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Um, I, I think I, I, I'm very interested to hear what Ms. Riley has to say about what she sees um, a, as uh, potential improvements that we could make to the, to the uh, 2017 regs. Um, but also, I'd really be interested, um, I mean, Sandy, you commented that uh, these are two very different land uses, but at the same time, a lot about them is very similar. And so I'd like to see if there's anything that we learned in the process of uh, going through the solar regs that could be directly applicable uh, to the, the wind farms.
3: Andy Day, planning.
6: Are you looking for a response from me, or as a as a general observation? There, I'm not sure.
10: That that would be a I guess a starting point. Um, <laughs> I think ultimately the responses that I'm looking for may come from uh, Commissioners Rex Road Ashworth, Carpenter, and Willie.
6: Certainly. Mm-hmm.
3: Planning Commissioner Sharon Ashworth, I'm sure
1: uh, one or more of us will have comments as we go through um, based on our experience um, with the solar. So uh, maybe some language additions, uh, maybe some changes based on, on our, our going very much into the weeds with this. So I'm sure that will come up and it will be very good to have um, C.C. Riley's uh, experience as we go through this, because some of the things will be different from the solar facilities we looked at. So I'll be anxious
4: to hear those as well.
1: Shall we, if there's no other general, oh yes, Commissioner Butler, please.
6: I just have one question, this is Commissioner
7: Butler. Uh, Sandy, is there, where it talks about bonds, is there, I didn't see any amount listed, is there a different bond depending on the
11: size of the, project or is it like, how does, who determines what that amount is and
6: does size, well, does size matter? Is Sandy Day planning? That's a very good question. And that was one of the questions that um, I have actually asked uh, county staff to do a little bit of checking with the county counselor Um, to make sure that that language that we have in there is still good the way it's structured right now is that that the bond would need to be something that's going to be mutually agreed upon between the applicant and the county commission so that bond is is going to be with the governing body um, ultimately and i think that would be an assessment say from the Uh, county public works director what roads and bridges are affected by the project um, that kind of thing there may be something in there um, about having some kind of guarantee or surety that if the uh, structure is removed right now I believe it's the code language is that it shall be foundation shall be removed to four feet below the ground level um, I think we're trying to make an assessment, is, is that enough um, of the removal? No. So.
8: Native grasses uh, have a root that extends down to seven feet.
1: Who's speaking?
8: So four feet, Michael Forth.
1: If I, the is National Planning Commissioner, um, if I could um, limit the comments at this point to the Planning Commissioners, please. Uh, And so I'll ask, I believe
4: Mr. Rexrode, Commissioner Rexrode had his
9: hand up. Thank you, Commissioner Rexrode. I really appreciate uh, Commissioner Butler's question here. I have that on my list of things. And what it occurred to me was that this is one topic area, I think there's others, where the language on bonding and decommissioning should I would, I would question why they wouldn't be the same between the work we have done in solar and what we're talking about here. Um, whether you lift that out of solar and you drop it here or whether we say, OK, this language is different or better and we need to go back and revisit. And I hope that's not the case. But in either way, we want to get at the right thing. And if we've already got that language in solar, shouldn't that be why wouldn't we lift that out and put it here?
6: Sandy Day planning, um, as we've been working through this uh, text amendment, we've been doing exactly what you're talking about doing kind of going section by section. So that is one of the sections we have not quite gotten to yet. Um, but yes, I would expect that we would be taking um, if not identical, very substantially similar language from the solar and um, and putting it back in here.
9: Thank you, Chris Director. Thank you, Sandy. That begs the question then um, how far into this process are you? Um, Are are you 10% through a comparison or work? Are you 90%? And that just happens to be towards the end? How far are you in that? And and I guess that might inform you know how we use this time tonight. Sure.
6: Sandy Day planning. I would say we are probably a a good 80 to 85%. Through the review piece, there are just a few other pieces that we as a group um, staff group and that includes um, county zoning um, CC and I in in that group as well as the sustainability coordinator on the county side. Um, Going through that I think that was one of the last sections we had yet to get through was um, the decommissioning restoration abandonment plan and the bond agreement piece. And then from there, um, my intent would be to finish up the, you know, the final language, get it, uh, it cleaned up, and then prepare the staff report. So I have got about two and a half, three weeks to complete that if if we're going to launch it for the April Planning Commission meeting.
3: Okay, Sharon Ashwood, Planning Commission. Um, with that, maybe um, that is
1: um, now our time to go through this section by section, so we can give that direction and start asking particular questions, like the bond issue. Um, so we start with the wind energy conversion system definitions, and I believe um, Sandy did ask that that would be one of the one of the major areas of revision coming up. So uh, let's take definitions. Um, does anybody have any comments on the definitions put forth in the existing regulations? Commissioner Willie.
4: And Willie, Planning Commissioner. Actually, just before we get into that, I just wanted to uh, kind of have some clarification about uh, the interactions that I had about the potential Next Era project, which is just so happened to come today that we were also going to be talking about the regulations. So. Um, I've just been hearing, you know, rumor kind of like everyone else has about kind of some interest or action in the county for a wind project uh, for a couple of months, but really nothing more than that. And just today started hearing it from a a, a lot of directions, including that we did have our um, drive drive in visit from uh, the salesperson from Nextera. so uh, our neighborhood is what is being kind of considered for uh, a wind project at the moment, but that I have not signed anything, I have no financial relationship, that I have no conflict of interest. I just wanted to kind of say that out loud that um, other than that we uh, made this poor fellow sit in our dining room table and answer questions for an hour, that's uh, the extent of that. Um, But it did give us a chance to kind of have a little bit more clarity on what, what might happen with the project. And I know that that's not completely today's discussion. We're just at what the regulations should be if a project would come forward. Um, but I know that uh, we're gonna touch on some of the things that the public are concerned about. I know when I spoke with Lori Shuck and uh, making sure that landowners weren't left with the aftermath of a project, that we had something in place for bonding and decommissioning, which I know we're gonna talk about that, but um, to make sure that that the county was on top of it, which I think we will be, and we'll get to that too. Um, and the, the foundation piece that, um, Mr. Forth was talking about is another kind of area of discussion of how much disturbance gets when we put these projects in and how much disturbance when we take them out and how much of that needs to be taken away. But there's a massive amount of concrete for each of these. Um, and then the flicker effect, which isn't specifically in our regulations, but it's something I think as a as a staff, I think they're very aware that that is a, a considerable concern for how do we monitor that and um, Keep it off of houses and and such. So um, that's just my piece before we start. So thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Commissioner Willie. I'm sure we will touch on all of that as we go through. Um, and actually, it would be good to have that perspective um, after having sat with somebody for an hour. Um, might lend some valuable insight.
3: So definitions. Let's start at the top. So that also includes. Um, so that's the definition of the conversion systems,
1: definition of prescribed burning, road agreements, and extraordinary events. Does
3: anybody have any comments on those terms? Um,
4: Commissioner Willie, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Uh, just to add, um, fire or not just grass fires, but a a fire in the structure to the extraordinary events.
12: And
1: Commissioner Thomas also had his
12: hand up. Again, talking about the depth, uh, four feet is certainly not enough on the removal.
3: Chair sure, Nashwood
1: Planning Commissioner, any other comments
9: on the definitions? No. Oh, Commissioner Rexrode. Thank you, Commissioner Rexrode. Um, there's a definition on small uh, wind energy conversion systems in here as well, and I know that the scope of this document is for commercial scale. Um, I'm concerned, though, that the definition that's applied here might be might make it. Something um, uh, permanent. And, and the concern I have is that if we define a maximum capacity, if we define small scale by capacity, it really doesn't speak to the size or, or footprint of the device that might be used to generate that. And that seems to be one of the largest considerations of the large scale solar regulations. So I wonder if we need to look at the definition of small scale as being something other than low kilowatt production and really about whatever the presence is that might impact other
5: neighbors.
1: I wonder um, would um, CeCe Riley have any um, input in that in terms of her experience in Boone County in terms of the size of something that would be considered a small wind energy conversion system?
11: So um, in talking with Sandy and the county planners about this, uh, main change that we've been working on is to um, pull the small WECs out of the definitions and actually add a part sort of aside from the commercial regulations to sort of regulate those things to get to the point about not having it just be by kilowatt Um, and in our initial discussions with the county they were supportive of that because that also led them to not have as much um, they only had this definition previously to regulate the small wex and they seem to appreciate having additional things added to it such as height and things like that
3: right
4: Commissioner
3: Willie, did you have it? Yes, Commissioner
4: Willie. Commissioner Willie, Planning Commissioner, um, just putting it side by side with the solar regs, the the way we differentiated was calling it personal or accessory energy conversion, and then that took away kind of that the technology could change and go past what would set for a, a particular kilowatt hour. Uh, but the I, I agree with uh, C.C. Riley that, that the footprint or other size of the structure might also have something to do with it here. Um, as far as other definitions that were in the solar that aren't in the wind regulations, we had a definition for operator and net and net metering and grading. Um, and those might still be valuable.
6: I'm sorry, Sandy Day Planning Office, you said operator grading and net metering. Net metering. And we have added grading um, as well. And operator.
3: Oh, did
9: we add it up? Or... Okay. It's Commissioner Rex, again, there's, um, this is another example where you might just go to the solar regs and see if that language, um, I'm looking at that, you know, on page, uh, one Um, under those definitions. You might be able to grab that language both for the small scale as well as for um, defining the commercial scale.
3: Sharon Ashworth Planning Commission, any further comments on definitions? We'll move
1: on to uh, the Purpose of regulations, intent of
3: regulations, section.
1: This section includes uh, notice of the landowners, surrounding landowners, property owners within a thousand feet of a commercial project.
9: Yes, Commissioner Rexrode. Uh, Commissioner showed sorry, Commissioner Rexroad, I, I need to go back to E on definitions. Um, there's an item there that talks about um, kills of, th- uh, the very last item, extraordinary events. Last sentence on that is kills of threatened and species you discover unexpectedly large number of dead birds or any variety on site. Um, there's a significant concern about um, impact to birds but also something we don't hear a lot about but bats um, that seem to have I don't know what it is but the, the, the research I've done just today shows like a fourfold fold um, increase in the number of bat kills over bird kills. Um, and there, are people who are still trying to figure out why. But I just wonder if maybe there should be some definition in terms of what a large number means, and maybe expand it from not just birds, but uh, to I don't know anything that flies. I don't I don't know what how to describe that. Thanks. Uh, Sharon Ashford, planning committee. Yes, we struggled with that
3: with
1: the large number um, part with the. Um, and considering the solar uh, wind seem to have a little bit more direct issue with um, birds, but bats definitely are something that they really haven't figured out yet, but that has been documented. Uh, does anybody have any comments in terms of the notification of applicants? is a big section under the intent of the regulations and the uh, purpose of regulations, requirements of maps. I'm not sure this is the right section for it, but just uh, when we get to the mention of the CUP application, I didn't catch how long the CUP is established for. Is there a number of years that staff is thinking?
6: Sandy Day Planning Office. Um, The the current regulations do not have a minimum time frame or a maximum time frame. It is the discretion of the commission as part of your conditional use permit to add that. Um, I think generally this kind of infrastructure improvement, and I can go back and look and see where you Where you uh, ended with the the solar and put some comparative language in there in this regulation to that Um, at this point no we didn't have one and that's part of uh, kind of finalizing finalizing the language was going to come out of this conversation
4: Commissioner Willie. Anne Planning Commissioner. Um, the leases that are being offered at the moment are 50-year leases with two 20-year potential extensions. Um, when I asked about the lifespan of the infrastructure that was expected, um, the thought was that the original tower would likely last and be uh, good technology for 20 years and then maybe repowered after that for an additional 20 years. And then beyond that, I think it was somewhat unknown. So I just throw that out for context uh, for time limits.
1: Commissioner Carpenter.
13: Jeff Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. I, I would recommend that for consistency's sake, we set this one at 25 also, like we did for the solar. That was presented in a work uh, session to the County Commission. And I we didn't get any pushback on that. And also, I think there's been discussion we're trying to bring the quarries back down to 25 when they come up for new ones to try to be consistent across the board uh, for the duration for these large scale operations out there. But I'm just going to throw that out there that that was a big part of our conversation with the solar regulations. And you know, we ended up at that 25 years and we didn't. Like I said, so far, we haven't had much pushback on that. So I think it's reasonable. <clears throat>
4: Commissioner Willie, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, I think with solar, we ended up with a one mile no- notice uh, radius for notice. Uh, and this also has a one mile radius, but the, uh, the visual impact for the wind turbines is quite a bit larger. So is one mile still the appropriate Um, distance for notice, um, or should it be something else? And I know that any increase in that is exponentially more people that have to be contacted, but that's also more people that are kind of in the know and get to be part of the public process.
11: Commissioner retro.
9: Thank you, Commissioner Retro. and uh, kind of tagging on to what Commissioner really said, it begs the question for me is how do we define the area or the 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 site or the project is this per tower or is this a collection of towers and then how and since they're not like solar where it's just all a contiguous use how do you how are you thinking about the the area within which a project might be defined
6: sandy day planning office we had that kind of that conversation when we Initiate when we first did this back in 2015, 2016 timeframe, and much like communication towers, uh, the tower itself, the structure itself sits on a pocket of land. When we do all of our notice, we would do it from the parent parcel. So the application that they would bring us, um, especially for a large scale project, we know is going to have multiple parcels associated with it. And that measurement out is going to be from the entire bulk of that property. So if somebody owns 100 acres, even though they may only have one structure on that 100 acres, the 100 acres is what we're using the base notification from. If Somebody had 20 acres, then the base notification is from that parcel, that 20 acre parcel. Does that answer the question?
9: Uh, kind of this is commissioner Rexford again. Um, so if an applicant uh, some company uh, that does large scale wind farms, uh, they're likely going to have more than one tower. that's correct? Yes, and they'll likely work with multiple landowners perhaps there could be a large landowner, but but, but it's, it wouldn't be uncommon to have multiple landowners. Um, will you require the applicant to define where, within their application, each tower will be. So that's known up front. And then that would be used for all kinds of things like informing you know, the rest of the maps that are done and roads and how we notify neighbors, that type of thing.
6: Sandy Day Planning Office and CC can help me with this a little bit. Um, we have structured it. So we're asking them to give us at least the generalized location of where those structures would be located on that property understand that as they get into the final engineering, um, that may shift some, and we're gonna have to understand through that process, through that conditional use permit process, what's the scope of of where they're going to be shifting within that parcel. Um, I would not want to have an applicant bring me a fully engineered plan when we're talking about can this land use even be approved? Because once they fully engineer it, then we struggle with trying to make changes. Um, But they need to provide enough documentation and that's gonna be their burden to prove in that application that we know within reasonableness of where that structure is going to be located on that property can you show me you're meeting the minimum um, setback requirements that we're identifying through the regulations? Or if we have, say, um, a historic asset, a historic uh, something that's registered on the, the National Register, um, is that is that proposed structure being set back far enough? So they may need to show me an envelope in their application, um, I think. Not having seen one of these applications, uh, I think we're trying to do our best to to anticipate what we think we're going to get. But that's how I envision this being
3: set up. Next, right, Sharon Ashford, Planning Commissioner. Um, any more comments on the notification
1: area? Commissioner Thomas. Um.
12: Commissioner Thomas, to echo what Commissioner Willie said, one mile is certainly not enough for notification, and I know that increases what the companies have to do, so be it, but one mile is certainly not enough.
3: Any other comments on the
1: notification area, do you actually have
12: a figure in mind, Commissioner Thomas? Commissioner okay. Thomas, I could make one up and say two miles or three miles, or okay. I, I do not have a figure. One mile in the city is a long distance. One mile in the country visually is not a long enough distance to notify neighbors. Now, if that, if you want me to say two miles, I'll say, I mean, I know not you, Commissioner Ashworth, but if um, two miles, two and a half miles, um, everybody else could weigh in on it, but I, I would say one mile is ridiculously short.
3: Any further comments on that
1: section then of the intent? of the regulations. Before we move on to the uh, key issues, conditions required for approval, that's our next session. So this is the the types of things that would be considered uh, when a project would come to us. These are all the factors that would would be considered as part of the application. And you can see um, there's quite a list here. So one thing I might mention up the top of one of the key issues is there's some language um, that we put in the solar regulations regarding um, sensitive lands, endangered and threatened species and critical habitat. It was on uh, page 11 of the solar rights. It's B B as in boy four. Um, So uh, I think we came up with what our group really the ad hoc committee really liked that language in terms of critical habitat and threatened endangered species. So if we could, if um, staff could take a look at that language. Um, and now, does anybody else have any comment on these key issues? Oh, san- sorry, Sandy Day.
6: Sandy Day, planning. Thank you for letting me interrupt your thought flow of thoughts here. So this was one of the sections that we have spent a lot of time on at the staff level, really working at, um, I think they're within the list that's there, I think there are some of those um, aspects that we were getting at and then realized um, with the solar regs, we probably really need to uh, tweak this language. One of the things that we have proposed um, that you will see as it comes forward is really kind of grouping um, into t- kind of topics. So under the visual impact, we captured um, shadow flicker lighting blade glint, Um, View shed is in there. We have some noise impacts under the heading environmental impacts um, where we've gotten into the wildlife, wildlife habitat, avian impacts, native flora and fauna. So it's a little bit deviated from what the solar is, but we'll definitely go back and take a look at that. But I wanted you to know that 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 definitely is on our radar uh, for this section.
3: Thank you. So any, com- any comments from the commission?
1: Commissioner Butler, please.
7: Sandy, this is Commissioner Butler. I just have a, a quick question. Does visual impacts include how many towers there would be or is that somewhere else?
6: Sandy Day planning. So the way this regulation is kind of set up is to Uh, there were kind of these key issues, things that we wanted to forecast that the applicant that needed to be evaluated. And then there's another section um, that would get into kind of the nuts and bolts of what they need to provide. In the visual impact, yes, I think we are anticipating that the applicant would need to submit maybe some kind of photo simulation. Um, We used to do this with communication towers where you'd have a a kind of a cut sheet of how that structure looks within a particular uh, cross section of area. So that's one of the things we're, we're looking
3: at. Vice Chair, I think you're muted. Did I do that? I keep hitting, I've been sent very sensitive
1: computer tonight. Um, Commissioner
4: Willie. please go ahead. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, under visual impacts, maybe also something about the night sky. Um, I know the, the FAA has requirements for the lights on there, but I think there may be some leeway with that or, and just kind of night sky impacts. Um, in the solar regs, we also put in a line about cumulative impacts. So um, as we, you know, more and more projects. At some point, if it becomes uh, some unintended consequences to some other industry, that we have a way to kind of uh, placeholder to to flag that. So cumulative impacts. It's a suggestion. Um, I I say this because the same landform that makes the the that makes us the windiest spot in Douglas County. It's called uh, the Narrows, which is the uh, dividing between the Kansas River Valley and the uh, Meridian. So we're right on that ridge is also where the santa fe trail went through for the same reason because it it didn't have as many uh, river crossings so we do have cultural heritage already uh, but we do spell out um, historic trails specifically in the solar regs and i think it's worth doing here not that as something that would shut a project down but just something that should be a consideration Um, and i wondered if at some point in these regulations we want to acknowledge the the Nature Conservancy's Site Wind Right tool, which I think is used quite a bit in the state of Kansas. I don't know um, how detailed it is for Eastern Kansas. I know it's used a lot in the Flint Hills, but that also might be um, a consideration somewhere in here.
3: Other comments? Chair uh, Ashford Planning Commission, I am actually curious about the, if
1: there are additional uh, mitigations that are possible with the night sky issue, the lighting issue, if CC Riley has any comments about um, what types of mitigation ha- have been added to these towers?
11: Absolutely. So this is something we talked about at length with the county. Um, it is becoming more common for turbines to be um radio activated whenever planes are coming nearby then they light up that they're not flashing all the time and we had written into the version that sandy and i are drafting with the county that they would be that would be the primary lighting source there would be a backup just in case generally it's nighttime red daytime white but that um initial sort of faa sorry cc Riley planning super late into my speech, but <laughs> um, that is something that both I think the industry is aware of that that gets communities very upset very quickly. And so they, along with the FAA, seem to have tried to put in work, but I'm interested in having our regulations make that happen as opposed to just sort of leading it for them to do best practice. Thank you.
1: And actually, Chair Ashwood Planning Commission, as we go through these, Sandy or Cece, if you have uh, things that you that we may not be asking about that um, you want to throw out to us just so we can have it, you know, t- for the people sitting in the room and for us, the certain mitigation things that we may not mention tonight that you know are that you're looking at or planning in, I think that would be really helpful um, if there are any particular mitigating features or factors of these projects you could throw out to us would be great. Um, So continuing on with key issues, these are issues that will be looked at with an application. Anybody else on the commission like to comment on this section? If not, we'll move on to the development site plan requirements. So this is as part, oh, okay, back up, Commissioner Shanklin.
10: Thanks, Greg Shanklin, planning commissioner. Um, As a key issue for solar, um, we spent a lot of time discussing the ability to install solar farms on ag land. And um, and, and one of the mitigations that was persuasive to me to go forward with the regs that we produced um, was this characterization that it was um, sort of land banking uh, ag land. Um, and, and maybe I, I just missed the part where it said we were going to prohibit wind farms on ag land. But um, what is the expected interrelationship between ag land and wind farms? And this is a question for Sandy. Thanks.
6: Sandy Day, planning. That's a very good question, and I'm not sure I have a very good answer for you. Um, You know i think the expectation is that yes um, these things are going to be proposed on active agricultural lands Um, and i think that is part of why it is a a conditional use permit um, that there may be envelopes within a particular property that as we review it perhaps you know the recommendation is okay this part of that land needs to be um not developed on um i don't know that we have a great assessment tool other than the tools that we already use for land uses um that have um you know those special considerations i'm not i'm not sure if there's something particular you'd like to see in the regulation, or if there's something in the solar piece that 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 you were focusing on that you'd like to see here,
10: uh, Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner, I, I I think that the importance of agland that caused us to consider the creation of a tool in the first place to assess agland. Um, First of all, it, it makes it a, a very strong consideration for prohibiting wind farms on ag land generally, um, absent you know, some, some ability to understand, I, I mean, so far when we've talked about area here, um, the idea is that there will be multiple parcels with multiple towers on them not really, at least in my view, and and maybe everybody else understands this, but I certainly don't. Um, What is the interconnection between all of these towers? Uh, With a wind farm, or with a solar farm rather, um, you can see that large masses of area will be covered by solar panels. Um, Whereas with the, um, the wind turbines, they're here and there. What connects them? Uh, How do we understand the contiguity between parcels? Um, And until we understand that, or at least until I understand that, I I can't even begin to think about how it impacts ag land. Um, But one thing I I can think about is when somebody describes the massive foundation uh, that's going to be put in place for each tower, um, the decommissioning becomes even more important I think than um, you know with with the solar farms Um, so I I guess I just want to make sure that we've attended to this issue I I'm I'm not suggesting that it should be a prohibited use except maybe on prime soils but you know it's not even among the key issues list and I think it needs to be okay
6: so Sandy Day planning office. Um, I just got a message about my headset, so I may end up dropping out and needing to reconfigure my sound here in just a minute. Um, So it could be that where we have um, multiple structures, multiple turbines, um, and they're connected through underground utility corridors. Um, So that was something that we did indicate in the site planning component that they need to show us both above ground and below ground um, improvements and infrastructure related to it. And so that is a component where that agricultural land could be disturbed. And I apologize, I'm gonna um, try and reset my sound here because the headset's about to go out.
11: In the meantime, Sandy, CC Riley, Planner, um, some other points to the draft that we've been working on. The intent of the regulations changes a bit just to be more clear for both uh, staff in regulating, but also in the community reading. Um, One of the draft language pieces that we have is um, standards are provided to, and then it lists a series of things. And currently the first thing listed is ensure the land remains viable for agricultural uses during the life of the CWX and following decommissioning. That's the first um, standards are in, provided to. Again, then in key issues, we've added an issue that says citing considerations and then says accommodating agricultural uses in wildlife habitat within the facility layout and design. So I think quickly in this sort of drafted windreg, we're trying to sort of make that very forward in both the information that they're giving us and how they're proposing, but also so that the regulatory body has the means to be like, you don't meet this key issue for X, Y, and Z if there is an issue.
3: Thank you, Uh,
4: Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. I have some more questions for Cece if I can. Um, So in terms of agricultural uses, I know we see these in other parts of Kansas and beef cattle seem to coexist with them, at least as far as you can tell from driving down I-70. But I hear, I mean, milk cattle being more sensitive, um, there might be issues with that, with co-locating. Do you have any research or do you know um, how we can find out more about how livestock
11: uh, react to these big towers? That was something that the county had brought up in questions that they were getting from the community that I've not had time to research and it wasn't one of the forward thoughts in Boone County. So I am happy to put some time into figuring out more for you, absolutely.
4: Um, Adam, vice chair, may I? Yes, go again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner, uh, in terms of uh, one of the frameworks that I wanted to get to, and I'm not there yet because I don't have the data, is uh, for one wind tower, how much land disturbance do we have and how does that compare to acres of solar panels? And it's just kind of give a framework for, you know, output to output, what's our land impact, you know, which one outweighs the other. And so in terms of the, like the concrete base, which, you um, Mr. Forth had it of uh, 50 yards or 50 feet by 50 feet by 10 feet. Our math at home was 30 by 30 by 12 feet. Um, either way, you know, it's a massive bit of concrete, but that's not the only disturbance. So you have disturbance in order to dig that size of a hole um, where you stockpile the dirt and where you bring it back. And then you have the laydown yard, a laydown yard um, for what they were saying, like 30 feet wide for every single tower. And then, after, after, and then the crane that comes in to stand the tower up and and assemble it. Uh, So, a pad built for the crane, and then all of that kind of um, scraped back up and planted back to whatever vegetation was there before. So, uh, what's that footprint of disturbance for each tower, and how much electricity do we get for that land disturbance versus how much we're getting out of uh, acres of of solar panels? So, that's just. CCIC is taking notes, (laughs) Um, and I'd ask that uh, of Nextera also, just to see if we can get to some of that data, uh, how much these towers produce.
1: Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commissioner. Along those lines, uh, one of the uh, questions I have is, most of what we see for these wind facilities is out in pasture ground, um, but here um, in Douglas County, it might be that it's active crop ground. And I don't know how many, I mean, if what the impact is or being able to coexist with the turbines and cropland where you've got um, all these service roads that I imagine that are going to each of these towers, how that might impact the ability to run tractors and combines and things like that for that type of agriculture
3: versus the pasture ground. Other comments from commissioners on key issues um,
1: before we move on to the development site plan requirements. So the development,
9: of, oh, Commissioner Rexroad. Sure. <clears throat> One more question, I'm not sure if this is the exact right time for it. Um, we had some feedback um, from gentlemen in the room. Um, with concerns about um, concrete being um, underground and how that would leach into groundwater, wonder what what are the what's the the, the intention the 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 way to get at protection of groundwater.
3: I'm not sure if that question's to either Sandy or CC or maybe it needs some- CC. I don't think we have Sandy
1: Day on the line with us right now.
11: CC Riley planner, Sandy is telling me that she's having trouble both hearing and getting her mic to work. So I'm not sure when or how she'll end up coming back. As far as protection of groundwater goes, I don't have a quick answer for you, but I'm absolutely happy to look into it. And I think that that's one of the things to pose directly to the industry. We should know how to best protect and regulate, but um, as a part of the environmental impact, that is a question within that, that they need to then address for y'all to then consider.
9: Yeah. Commissioner Rexford, thank you for that Cece. And it, The other good news um, here is that this isn't the first time a, a, a wind tower would be stood up. There's a lot of um, history out there. It might be worthwhile going to talk to some of those areas that have been doing it for a while. Thank you.
1: Sharon with Planning Commission, that does bring us to the development site plan requirements which does include um, what the applicant will be submitting with an application development plan. So it's not only things like um, project area and concept plan, but it is such things that soil samples, water samples, um, that kind of thing um, might be required under the supplemental information section of this. Um, so this is quite this is sort of like the big chunk here of what would be required. So development site plan requirements. Um, so the first section um, plan shall include um, some things like the boundaries, the extent of the project area, location of underground pipelines, and utility easements. Uh, we have a piece in here about transferal of CUP. And I know that was a big discussion. And we have a big section on that from the solar regs. Um, that I imagine the two would have to agree on that in terms of transfer of CUP, might look at the language from the solar regs on that. And then the supplemental information is a section here that includes things like financial information, qualification of the applicant, environmental guidelines, industry codes, archeological renaissance, renaissance, reconnaissance, things like that. So, Commissioner Retrode mentioned uh, water quality impacts would be something that would be listed in this other sorts of considerations in this list in this
9: section. Commissioner retro. Thank you. Um, just I uh, want to make an observation that uh, the language regarding CUP transfer and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the, the regulations we have in front of us tonight is inconsistent with what we had been told on the solar side we were allowed to do in terms of transfer. So I'd recommend that uh, the staff go back and look at that and talk amongst Mm -hmm. themselves, maybe with council. Because honestly, I like this language better than what we we thought we were told we had to do on uh, solar. So if if this is good, I'd love to see us (laughs) apply it in the other place.
1: Welcome back, Sandy.
6: Day
1: okay. I, yeah. I, I don't think
6: I have a permanent fix. I've been able to try and, and stay with what was going on. And Cece, thank you very much for responding.
1: We are on to the development site plan requirements section. And what's been mentioned is looking at the solar, comparing the solar length, la- the language from solar and wind with regard to the transference of the CUP. Sure, and also uh, water quality in terms of water quality sampling. Uh, day. Other, yep. yeah, other comments from
3: commissioners? Uh, Sharon Ashford Planning Commission, I know one
1: um, minor point I had on this uh, was again, looking back to the uh, critical habitat from that we drew up for the uh, solar regulations Um, so we had some different language in there with regard to
3: inventorying endangered species and wildlife and uh sensitive lands this is also the section that includes road
1: maintenance and whatnot so uh commissioner sinclair
5: yeah sorry um and uh, i may have missed some discussion uh and particularly some comments from the public, but uh, the decommissioning um, equipment provision and requiring it to be removed to a depth of four feet, was that what Commissioner Thomas made reference to earlier on? And is that related to the fact that some of these concrete uh, bases go much deeper than that? Can someone uh, fill me in on that, given that I jumped on late?
6: Andy Day planning office, Um, the regulations today require the removal up to four feet. And that was just the general information that we could gather at that time. Uh, I believe somebody from the public commented that that was an insufficient depth for the removal of some of that base. And I think I heard somebody kind of shout out the, the seven feet Um, I did make note of that to follow up with um, our extension professionals, um, perhaps K-State, and see if they can give us some also some recommendations for uh, that kind of mitigation.
3: Luke Sinclair, Commissioner, thank you. I did see another hand go up.
6: Before
1: Commissioner Sinclair. No. Okay, so let's see where are we are on the plan requirements um, that do include things like fire safety, rescue, uh noise impact. Um, actually that's something I'm really curious. Um, Sandy or CC, what is the When we talk about noise impact what's the latest information and research on the noise um, impact of these turbines.
6: Sandy Day planning and this is one where I may actually defer to CC again, um, since she has that more recent information. And one of the other things that we talked about with county staff is whatever regulation we put in regarding noise, making sure that the county staff has the adequate tools to be able to to manage that. Um, So that's a piece of that, um, that moves over to the enforcement side, making sure that what we're setting up, I think I've seen um, a couple different pieces and Cece can correct me if I'm wrong, Um, there being a a daytime decibel level and a nighttime decibel level or overnight. Um, And I want to say they were in that 40 to 50 decibel range, 50 decibels.
11: CC Riley Planner. So noise is definitely an aspect that is of the utmost importance. You know, it's what folks tend to, recognize is an active issue that might impact their daily life and how, you know, country county noise versus city noise is very different. Um, In talking with the county and in, you know, I think regulating and enforcing that can be especially difficult. Um, They do, the county does have some sort of noise measuring tool um they did a site visit and were able to try and use it when things are really windy it makes it hard to use but um 50 decibels is about the um regulatory maximum that i see quite often um in talking with the county they weren't especially interested in you know figuring out night versus day is really hard to then enforce but having a maximum decibel and then saying thereafter. If it exceeds this for a sustained period of time, the turbine shall be shut down until mitigation techniques are established was a part of the draft language we were working on. It'll definitely be something that folks will have comment about. And 50 decibels is also sort of hard to think about. Um, Folks in the industry will compare it to a dishwasher, but I know I've interacted with a lot of dishwashers with varying noise levels, some that are more impactful to your sort of daily communication than others. So it's definitely a something to think a great deal about.
3: Chair National Planning Commissioner comments more comments on this section from planning commissioners. Commissioner Willie.
4: I may be missing it. Um, I know we asked for a significant uh, safety plan from the solar. Do we have the same level of, of what would be reported to Douglas County Emergency Management in these? And if not, could we put it in?
6: Sandy Day planning. I was able to talk with um, one of the fire chiefs um, for the townships, and I think it was the combined um, one. And yes, they did request that they have the identical language from the solar into this in terms of uh, annual uh, training information, what kinds of things are stored in the in the base of the structure, as well as equipment to be able to perform the necessary emergency responses so that language will, will be identical.
3: Other comments on this section from planning commissioners?
1: If not, we'll move along to design standards. So Sharon Ashworth Planning Commission design standards include things like the lowest point of the blade, the setbacks, the lighting. I imagine that includes, but I can't remember where I read the four feet. Oh, that's in the decommissioning, you know, the, the design standards. So it includes the structure, the logos, identification number, access roads, things like that. So comments on the design standards, and this includes the setbacks. Do people have comments on that? Commissioner Rexroad.
9: Thank you, Commissioner Rexroad. Um, A question about the setback um, uh, being 110% of the height of the tower plus the blade. Um, I I presume that's 110% so that if it falls over, you're, you're short of whatever um, structure you're being set back from. Um, uh, you, maybe you could shed a little bit of light on that. The, the other um, question I have is if you gave any consideration to um, uh, slough and how to protect um, residents, uh, or nearby neighbors from ice that can be flung from a blade. Um, in certain weather conditions.
6: Sure. Sandy Day planning. Um, So as far as that height goes, we think of it, uh, and I come at it more from the telecommunication side, because that's the one where I have the most experience, is we think of it as the fall zone. Um, And actually before this meeting, I was kind of of uh, trying to do a little bit of Google search um, to see if there was anything different in, in fall zone as it relates to this particular use compared to um, a communication tower. So I think there's still that idea um, of having the height of the tower is kind of that fall zone. You know, if it tips over, does it fall within that, you know, 360 degree space? So that's the concept behind that setback. Um, the uh, 110% is to get it back that additional space, and that's accounting for and including um, not only the the height of the turbine, but also the height of the blade into that. And that's one of the things we did with the definition. Um, CC had a very good graphic that you'll be seeing, so we can help um, in the definition section, you know, convey that information as well. Um, As far as the icing piece of it goes, the stuff that's being flung, uh, my understanding is that the technology has improved greatly. So that is less of an issue than it used to be with uh, older generation technology. Um, So that when icing events start to happen, those uh, turbines should be mechanically stopping. There's coatings that help prevent against that. So I think there's some things happening in the technology um, how far something can be flung. I, you know, I the, I guess that's something we can still continue to look into.
9: I'm far from an expert. It's Commissioner Richard. I'm far from an expert, but uh, the research I've been doing suggests that that is a question uh, we probably ought to get an answer to. And um, it just occurred to me just this moment that um, maybe something that we would want to have provided for in regulation is, is bonding or insurance on the chance that someone would be injured from something happening with one of these towers.
3: Thank you.
4: Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Uh, about the 110% of Fall zone with the fire department we look at in terms of building collapse and we train to 150 uh, percent of the height of anything because things don't tend to just hinge and fall nicely to the ground but they they shatter they bounce they throw pieces and so 150 percent so one and a half times the height of anything is a standard training um, procedure and so i wonder if there can be any research on why uh, and i did ask the next era guy who came to our house Um, Mr. Cunningham, uh, about the 110%, and he said that that is the industry standard, the 110%. I'd just be curious what the justification is uh, for for that versus the 150% that I think might be more standard in other other processes. Um, I'd also note that we do not have a standard for turbine height or turbine plus blade height. And since, in the short time since these standards were written, I think the height of turbines has nearly doubled or more than doubled. Um, What was presented to us for a potential for Douglas County were uh, nearly 500 feet tall uh, tower plus blade. So do we need a standard for height? And if so, what should it be?
6: Sandy Day planning. um, From the, the background research that CC was able to provide at the staff level, we started Um, talking about so the 110% yes was kind of this the industry standard and that's what's in the code today Uh, I believe we're now um, uh, you you will see something with a much higher uh, or much bigger setback Uh, I think we were looking at um, 1,500 feet so I'm not sure what that percentage would be depending on that I think we were also talking about um, suggesting a cap, a maximum height of the structure from the base to the hub um, to to bring that structure, put some limits on that that
3: overall structure.
4: Karen Willey, Planning Commissioner, do you have any thoughts about what that height uh, restriction might be?
6: sandy day planning i'm gonna ask cece if she recalls if we if we
11: if you recall that we had that cc Riley planned. planner so we had last discussed as staff um i did a lot of research within boone county about you know who are the main distributors of and developers of turbines in the U.S. Okay, then from there, what do they supply at a commercial level? What do those sizes look like? How are they measured at an industry level and where are they seen? Why is it that some turbines are so much taller and what is the inherent gain? Ultimately, taller turbines are found where wind is less. They need to get higher up so that they might catch those higher winds. Um, Some argue if Turbines need to get too tall. Maybe that means the wind isn't quite there. Um, In Boone County, where the regulatory body wanted to take a very um, restrictive, while still making it possible, look at turbines, they set in place an 80 meter hub height. That is the absolute smallest commercial turbine being sold by all of the top four producing, which make over 80%. It's like Vesta, Siemens, GE, I can't remember the last one. Um, So hub height being foundation, tower, and the hub is where the blades spin off of. It's kind of like the nose of the turbine. Um, As staff, we had discussed. So 80 meters is that absolute smallest. I don't know what technology will do from there, but um, 110 meters. And the turbines do discuss things in meters, which then makes it kind of hard because I, for one, at least don't think in meters. Um, but 110 was sort of what we were thinking of as maximum hub height, then allowing, you know, 80 meters or smaller in other places where the industry determines is correct, but then having 110 be an absolute max. Uh, if I could
1: interject, Chair the Planning Commission, and in, in terms of that height, is there a trade-off uh, with height and speed of blade at all? Because I know it cons- for safety considerations and for bird migration, speed of the blade has been a factor. So, is there a trade-off there if we're going to be
3: considering height caps?
11: For C.C. Riley Planner, Um, that's something I can look into for you, absolutely. Um, My understanding is that the turbines have a safety mechanism that won't allow them to go past a certain speed, both for their own sake so that their things don't get messed up, um, but it involves sort of turning the blades against the wind flow so that they maintain whatever that speed is. Um, and as far as if it were to, you know, potentially harm more avian bat species and whatnot, I think that that would become apparent in the environmental impact assessment that we're asking for them to do and can be a question that's posed to them then. But I'll look into it to see if I can find anything at a preliminary stage.
4: Commissioner Willie,
1: did you want to continue?
4: And Willie, Planning Commissioner. Uh, The height of the towers being proposed in Douglas County, as far as we know, is 486 feet, which would be about 162 meters. Um, So that's uh, different than what's being proposed by the county.
3: Chair, National Planning Commission. Um, Other comments on
1: design standards? Again, this includes the structure, what it looks like, how tall it is, lighting, lowest point. Commissioner Willie.
4: Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. I have a question for uh, CCN Sandy. Uh, the, the lowest point, which is the rotor blades, shall be at least 100 feet above ground at the base of the tower. Does that then push the tower height? Is that something that is um, reasonable to have that be shorter and then have shorter towers? Can you tell me about that?
6: Sandy Day, planning. Um, that is um, a little piece of, of work that I had just started to look at. Um, there is some language that talks about having uh, the bottom of the blade, so that bottom of the swoop being a minimum of 30 feet above, so that that would certainly clear most structures. Um, I think that's something that we can continue to look Look into um, it. It is interesting. Um, seems like there's quite a, a variable of blade length that can go on some of these the the, the tower component of it.
3: Sharon sure, Ashworth, Planning Commission. Um, which Question I have. Are there any?
1: vibration considerations with wind turbines? Is that a feature of a wind turbine in motion? Sort of vibrations that you could feel radiating out from that, I don't know. That just occurred to me that I didn't know if that was an issue or not for Sandy or CC. S-
6: Sandy Day planning, and I'm, I suppose CC's going to respond to this. It's not something I've come across yet. It's not to say that it doesn't exist. Um, I think that we would probably capture that in the section where we're talking about um, sound and noise and also add vibration assessment into that part of the language.
11: C.C. Riley Planner, Um, that vibration aspect is sometimes also thought about as the base levels sort of that wubbing where it might not be a physical vibration, but it can sort of feel in your brain like that. Um, And it's a common best practice to sort of have turbines be, you know, three blades all running in the same direction, um, not allowing for Some older turbines had, um, you know, everything of like a windmill where it has that tail on the back that would sort of turn it those would sometimes cause um, that basey vibration. A lot of those things aren't um, common anymore, but also there's a part of our draft regulations that put in place um, in the design of it, having best practices and making sure that those sort of things are followed.
1: Thank you. Uh, Sharon Ashford Planning Commission, further comments on design standards before we move into decommissioning? Restoration, this is where we get into the depth of the concrete pad. No? Okay, well, let's go ahead and then move to the decommissioning restoration section, which does include um, removal of the facility. um, How much of that foundation is removed? Right now it says four feet below ground level. Um, Access roads, uh, pre-permit conditions of the land, things like that in this section. Comments on decommissioning, restoration, abandonment.
6: Sandy Day, Planning. And one of the things we wanna make a distinction about is we're talking about access roads. Um, there's there's two, two pieces of that that you think about. One is, um, the public right of way, the, the public street and road network that gets you from point A to point B. And then there is um, those other kinds of access roads across properties, across farmland. So that also has to do with some of the very big easements that um, the, the energy company is asking for because they've got a you know, be able to get into that field for their construction, but they have to be able to get in also for the periodic maintenance that goes on. So the expectation is when the structure goes away, um, the, the pathway that was created for that maintenance access would also go away. Um, I understanding, I understand that there may be times where that property owner for, for whatever reason may want to keep that access road. So I think um, in that decommissioning, I think we would want to have an understanding about what the property owner wants to keep or retain if if they've agreed to it being on their land. Um, Is that part of an access drive that they're going to use to get to a part of their field or they want it returned? Um, what we do want to do is make sure that the property owner has the ability um, to require the energy company to remove those components, not to just abandon them and then leave the property owner to have to remove them in the future. So there's a balance there. I think we're going to find when, you know, if and when we see a specific application in the future. So one person may want to Keep that on their farm. Another person won't may want to make sure that Nextera or whoever is on the hook for removing it and returning their farm field back to usable ag ground.
3: Thank you, Sandy,
9: Commissioner Rexrode. Thank you, Commissioner Rexrode. Just a couple questions or a couple points to think about. Um, Wanted to Commissioner Shanklin's uh, question earlier about what's underground. Um, I think you will want to think about transmission lines. All right, so these things are produced electric. They're going to be trans- Transmission is going to happen some way, whether it's above ground or below ground, um, specific how that, you know, that'd be a part of, of decommissioning. The other question I have is uh, we think about, I think it's in, it talks about in uh, paragraph F. Um, when a project stops producing electric energy and then again in an H, at the end of the life, should this should we consider the entire project as a whole, or would this be a tower by tower decision. I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a question that ought to be uh, considered.
6: Sandy Day planning. Um, the project is going to be approved as a collective, as a whole, so the decommissioning, um, it's possible or conceivable that the applicant could come forward and say, uh, maybe we're going to construct in phases, and so we're going to decommission in phases, um, so that would be part of the, the documentation that they need to provide, both to staff and for the Commission to consider.
9: Sure. Just one thing, I, this, Commissioner, Richard, again, I, one thing I, I'd consider is um, uh, defining a way to look at this so that if they have one tower out here, I'm just making this up, they have one tower out here busted off, one blade's fallen off, it's clearly not working, That we have some way to say, okay, we have to take an action on this decommissioning. If you don't have a, a specific plan to bring this back into production, it needs to be resolved. Um, these are very, these are huge, huge things, right? Um, that could represent either an eyesore or a danger if they're not in use. Thanks. Commissioner
1: Shanklin?
10: Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Uh, just to follow on to Commissioner's rec- Commissioner Rexroad's comments there. Um, I made the, th- the same point in connection with, uh, the solar farms. Um, The use of the word any, um, and particularly put in context with Commissioner Rexrode's comments about is this project-wide or tower-specific, they could basically, by keeping one tower active for a day, keep the entire project alive in perpetuity. Um, I think we need to have a better standard for what constitutes a production, the useful life, production of a tower uh, in the same way that I commented on solar farms. I, I don't think we have a good definition there, um, but um, you know, I, I keep belaboring a point that doesn't seem to be well received. So anyway, thank you.
3: Commissioner
4: Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Uh to speak to Commissioner Shanklin's point, um, it 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 was an issue with the solar too, and we we didn't come to a good solution for it. So certainly anything you can suggest to help with that, uh, I think that was. Something that I'm not sure we were satisfied with, with the solar regs, but couldn't come to a place where where we had agreement of of how else to move forward. So I would love to have some more specifics around what constitutes um, the end of life for one of these sites other than zero electricity.
3: Chair uh, of Planning Commission, uh, unlike
1: a lot of the larger solar facilities, the wind facilities have been around a little bit longer. Are, are, Sandy or CC have, have, have you any information on a wind facility that has been
3: decommissioned? Have there, does anybody know? No? Okay.
1: Okay, then. Uh, let's see, any other comments on decommissioning,
3: restoration, abandonment plan? No, I just might make one little tiny comment about planting native
1: grasses afterward, to be native grasses and forbs. just to add that in there. It's just a little picky thing. I just like the flowers. So. <laughs> but there's um, lots of uh, language also in the solar regs to look at for that kind of um, restoration. Um, So if there's no other comments on that, uh, we were up to Bond Oh, Commissioner Carpenter.
13: Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. Uh, I don't know where to actually put this comment, but It just seems from all we're learning about the wind towers and comparing this to what we were trying to achieve with the solar, uh, protecting the soil, we're doing a lot more damage with wind towers, even though I know we can do more farming around each individual tower. Has anyone come across any comparable studies of the actual impacts of these two different technologies? Balancing the environmental costs. I'm. I've not looked for it. I just wondered if anyone had seen it, and if that's something we can possibly find and discuss later.
6: Today, planning. I'll make note of that and see what we can. We can find.
1: Chair Nashworth, Planning Commissioner, and I do. I want to mention again the comment that was made about the leaching from the concrete. I'm curious about what research may have been done along those lines when you leave that in the ground for that many years following if you're just going to abandon several feet of concrete. Um, So I have not personally looked or Googled any of that, but um, I would be interested to know if there have been some, there's been some soil sampling around these sites and what they found. Any other comments on that section before we go to bond agreements? And I know this is a great topic of conversation with not a lot of resolution on the bond agreement, we went back and forth with bond agreements for solar. Um, I'm not sure I think we we had council look at that language. I imagine the same as here for the for
3: the uh, wind facilities, um, council taking a look at that um, for the bond agreement. Sandy, do you have any updates on is that uh, has this
1: already been looked at by council or is this something that's under review? I,
6: it is under review. That was um, a, a task I I put on a county staff person. So um, to my knowledge, we haven't heard back. Uh, our plan was to meet not this Thursday, but the following Thursday um, following your meeting um, for staff to kind of regroup. So it is definitely on my list to you know, kind of follow up and, and see if that's moving.
1: Okay, then Sharon Ashwood Planning Commission. So we've reached the end of those standards and regulations as they are set now. Um, so I just want to revisit and ask again: any general comments, things about what should be considered with these wind facilities?
4: Commissioner Willie, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, so I know we put in some language with the solar of how to recoup the cost to the county of inspections and such, um, assuming that wind towers fall into the same category that the solar facilities did, that we don't have the staff within the county at the moment unless we were to hire some that would have the specific, unless maybe Cece does, and I don't (laughs) want to overspeak that, to to evaluate these sites as they're being constructed. So that would likely be an outside hire and making sure that the uh, applicant is paying reimbursing the county and that the county gets to choose uh, an impartial third party to do those um, inspections so that was one topic um the other another one also um funding related is that we did not push anything for beyond that for county um income for the solar um and and part of that was because that's not land use and that'll then go to the county commission but the wind turbines when I think of the, the uh, impacts to non-participating neighbors, I think are stronger for the wind turbines than they are for solar facilities. And I wonder if there isn't a role for those payment in lieu of taxes, those pilot um, pr- products of uh, payment in lieu of taxes is the, the, the name for it, because there aren't a lot of taxes that come from these facilities, just like the solar, the, the above ground structures are exempt from taxation for another 10 years or so. Um, but I wonder if there won't be the need to collect some amount of money for just rebuilding the community from the strife that will come from um, a solar, a, a wind turbine installation. And maybe that's true of solar also, but I think maybe more so with this. So I throw that out for other people to think about. Um, also, is there anything known about recycling of these? I know it's been a significant issue of what to do with the turbines and the blades when they're done. Um, and is there anything we can find out about that? And is there any language we can can, can put in about um, uh, review, which we don't have here? We I think we either had an annual or a every five year uh, compliance review. I'm not sure what we'd be looking for in this case because most of it is in the construction phase. But I just throw that out for staff to think about. That's all I had.
9: Mr. Retro. Thanks, Commissioner Rexrow. Just a quick question. Um, If you said it and I missed it, I apologize. Uh, The very last paragraph um, on the last page um, is a paragraph on wireless facilities. Um, I'm not sure why that's there, if that was intended to be there. I'd like to know what its purpose is.
6: Sandy Day Planning. So what you have is a PDF capture of the regulations, so if you opened up the county regulations, you would read through um, the wind tower, and then the next topic is wireless communication facilities. Thanks. So that's where it comes right. in the order. So
9: thank you.
3: That
6: that whole section has nothing to do with wind energy.
9: That actually makes me feel better. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>
3: Commissioner
9: Sinclair. Luke Sinclair. Sinclair,
5: sorry. <laughs> Luke Sinclair, uh, Commissioner. Um, Sandy, uh, the last couple subsections in the bond agreement have to do with liability on termination and the non-liability. And when we did the solar regs, those were deleted out of them. Will the same thing happen with these?
6: Sandy Day, planning. Um, those are pieces that i want to also go over with um, county council and make sure that that's language is appropriate it is entirely possible if it came out in the solar it it is very likely that it'll come out here
5: okay and then luke sinclair uh chair we discussed i mean we we talked briefly i guess about about decommissioning and bond and the bond agreement is, is the final product for these going to mirror sort of the work we did when we talked through those subjects on the solar regs. I know there's, it's not probably a one-for-one a one comparison. Some stuff may not be applicable, but we spent so much time working on those. And by we, I mean the ad hoc committee uh, mostly, but the planning commission as a whole too. And I, I didn't know if it, the, the work we did on those would be worthwhile applying just taking and putting in in these or if that's the intent.
6: Sandy Day planning, yes. The intent is to bring over as much language as is applicable to this land use from that previous. All right. Thank you. Sure, Nashworth Planning
1: Commissioner, any? further comments on wind regulations. Before I ask um, Sandy, if she would review once again for the public that is in the room or possibly online, uh, what the next steps will be. If you could just review those for us, what's going to happen um, in the next couple months.
6: <laughs> Sandy Day, planning, and thank you for saying <laughs> next couple months. Um, We have um, a very healthy list from tonight's discussion. Um, My original thought had been the next step. The very next step is for staff to um, provide for you a text amendment. So you what you will get is a new set of text for this particular land use covering all of these categories and topics that we have. Discussed this evening, and then bringing that parity from um, the solar regulation into this. So we would prepare that text amendment, and then also we would have the staff report that goes with that. Um, the next step is really going to be one that, again, I think we need direction from the commission. And uh, we could we could do this work and and push to get it on to. The April planning commission, um, and that may be something Jeff wants to weigh in whether or not we're really going to be ready. Um, it's um, we're not as close as I had hoped um, based on tonight's discussion. So April may be ambitious, um, but then somehow getting um, this text out there, out there, and then um, getting it scheduled for a public hearing. So,
0: Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services. You know, based on the list the commissions generated this evening, I agree with Sandy. It may be a little bit ambitious for April. I think we'd also like to follow a process very similar to what we did with other text amendments, where to post it online, have it available for public comment so that the Planning Commission and ultimately the County Commission could see the responses and information that we've been able to gather with that. So, based on the, the length of tonight, we may need to regroup and revise that timeline so that we make sure that everybody's got a chance to take a good look and an opportunity to provide comment to you on those items.
3: Thank you, Uh, Sharon Ashworth, uh, Planning Commissioner,
1: and I just want to reiterate, so there will be at least two other opportunities we will have the public will have an opportunity to review these comment um, before the Planning Commission and then once again um, before the County Commission. where those will go once um, the Planning Commission has it. So there will be um, more opportunities, several more opportunities for comments from the public. So any further comment now, general comments from the Planning Commission
3: before we close comment on the proposed text amendment? Seeing none. Um, we will close the comment on the text
1: amendment. Thank you very much to Sandy Day and C.C. Riley um, for all their hard work on this and all the hard work to come. So thank you very much. And let's see, where would we go next from here? Let me bring up my meeting. We have nothing further to discuss tonight. Um, I guess I will turn this meeting back over to the chair to close us out if that's the proper procedure. So uh, over to Chair Sinclair.
5: <laughs> Luke Sinclair, Chair, thank you, uh, Vice Chair Ashworth for running that all. Um, that then brings us to the end. Is there anybody that would like to move to recess until Wednesday night? Commissioner Rexrod, thank you. Yep. Um, uh, a second? Everybody wants to stay, Commissioner Thomas. Thank you. Uh, Jeff was there before we take a vote, Jeff, was there anything else that we needed to cover?
0: Jeff I guess Craig I that. the Jeff Craig buying Development Service no other items are on your your agenda for this evening correct
2: Jeff okay, right this is Becky pepper planning okay. manager I actually do have a I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that um, we are looking to get those oaths of office signed um, we have them in our office if you haven't yet um, had an opportunity to come in and sign those I just want to remind you to do that and also we can mail those to you with the stamped return envelope so just you can email me or Denny if you prefer that method thank you
5: very good thank you Becky thank you Jeff Luke Sinclair chair then with that can you take the role on our uh, Motion to recess.
0: Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Commissioner Ashworth. Yes. Commissioner Butler. Yes. Commissioner Carpenter. Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin. Yes. Commissioner Sinclair. Yes. Commissioner Thomas. Yes. Commissioner Willie.
12: Yes.
5: Motion passes eight to zero. Thank you all. See you Wednesday.
3: Hi, everybody.